Welcome out to Domesticated Savages, episode number three, Party Poopers. In this episode, we're going to talk about the parties that we have seen, gone to, and pooped. (laughs) Here with you today. on. Yeah, that's right. Here with you today, I am Jake, as usual. You've listened before, know who I am. I've got with me my two cohorts. I've got Jeremy. What's up, Jeremy? What's going down? And I've got Fitz. What's up, homie? Holla, holla. Cool. So today we want to talk about some of the things that we've seen on parties, on calls, right? So so one of the initially things that I think of, it's kind of funny. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a call, high east side, right? Freaking college students. Uh, partying it up, and we roll up there. Me and my buddy officer, my work wife at the time, uh, we roll up there, and when we get there, like, it's a pretty narrow street, and there's just cars lining the streets. Typically, in these neighborhoods, you don't get many cars lining the streets because everybody has, like, garages and driveways. Well, we've got probably 500 cars lining the street. So many freaking cars. It's insane. It looks like... you know, people getting ready to go to a freaking college football game. There's so many cars out there. So we uh, park, try to park relatively close. There's reasons for that. Uh, you don't want your car like out so of your side. this is high east side. High east okay. side, like pretty high. Like Yeah. So we get out of our cars, walk up to the house, and there's just people freaking hanging off the freaking banisters, bro. Like in the trees in the house, it is just like chuck full of people. Chuck full. It's like you can feel the heat radiating out of this place because there's so damn many people in there. So we roll up, go up to the door. People get out of our way. They shut the door on us, obviously. And uh, we go to the door and freaking start banging on it, banging on it. Finally, this girl answers and people are scurrying. You know, they're fleeing out the back just like they always do because every party, you know, they're drinking alcohol. They might be doing some illicit stuff, but mostly it's because it's kids underage drinking. And in reality, like you're not going to catch all those suckers, so we're not chasing them. We just want to shut the party down so the people who are complaining on it will be satisfied and get the freaking kids to go home. So we roll up, knock the door. The girl answers. People are fleeing. And uh, she's like a nice girl, probably early 20s, college student. And she answers. She's very nice and cordial. And she's talking to us. We said, hey, listen, you got to shut this thing down. She's of age. She, yeah, she's of age. But a lot of people who are attending are not. Probably. Like, I didn't card anybody. But right. obviously, there's kids who are like, I don't want to get caught by the cops. And I'm underage drinking. So they're fleeing. So I'm talking to this girl. I'm like, listen, you just got to shut this thing down. You can't be doing this stuff right now. People are complaining on you. You've got way too many people here. You can't be doing this. I can only imagine that the Indoor Clean Air Act was being <laughs> probably <laughs> massively probably violated. violated. I hate you. I hate you. Probably My violated gosh. copiously, uh, yes. especially with illicit substances, uh, you know, not to mention the tobaccos, probably the wacky tobacco. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm telling this girl, you got to shut it down. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll shut it down. I'll shut it down. We kind of sit out there on the porch for, you know, five or 10 minutes and people are fleeing and leaving, whatever. Cool. And uh, pretty much got this party, you know, taken care of. People have left, evacuated. And so my partner and I go back to our cars. As we're walking back to our cars, my buddy says to me, he's like, dude, watch your car. Make sure they didn't do anything to it. 
I'm like, dude, the car's like right here, like pretty much close to where we were. Nobody's stupid enough to mess around with our cars. He's like, just check, make sure. And I go up to my freaking car door and I'm looking at it just because if he hadn't said something, I would not have looked. But since he said something, I'm looking and I look like right below my, where my handle is, like on the ground is a freaking puddle. I'm like, what the frick is this? And I and I look closer, and my freaking door handle is like wet, is all wet, <laughs> and my freaking windshield, yes. like the side window, is like wet, and the door's just soaked. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Is that what I think it is? And my buddy's like, yeah, dude, that's exactly what you think it is. That's pee. They peed all over your car. Peed on your car? Peed all over my freaking car, my door handle. So if I like came back to my car, I was going to like touch their piss. What if it was like rubbing alcohol and they were just sanitizing it for you? Yeah, well, it wasn't. <laughs> I took my flashlight and I like shined it, you know, from an angle to look at it. And it had a yellow freaking hint to it, Ew. bro. And like you could kind of smell it, you know, so I could that tell it was freaking piss. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And then on my back window, they'd put like a sticker. They said, like, F the police or whatever. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? They'd take a sticker, put a sticker on my back window that said F the police. Actually, yeah, it was on my back window, but, like, on the lower portion of it. So if I didn't look, I wouldn't have seen it, you know? Mm-hmm. I've been riding around with this freaking <laughs> F the police on my cop car. And then my car's door's all pissed all over. I'm like, what a bunch of BS. So I'm like, this is crap, dude. I'm not going to put up with this. So I'm like, well, guess what? Guess who's responsible? The lady. The girl who ran the party. So I go back up to the door. My buddy's like, what are you going to do? I said, frick, I'm going to go tell this girl. She's got to freaking clean my car off. So I go back up to the door and I knock on it and she answers. She's like, uh, is there something I can do for you? I said, yeah. Some of your party goers peed all over my car and put a sticker on the back window that says F the police. So you got to take care of that. She's like, uh, uh, I do. I said, yeah. Get yourself some Clorox wipes and come out here and wipe this down. She's like, uh, okay. So she comes out to my car, dude, and like detailed my door, detailed the hell out of my door, got it all spick and span. And then she like got this freaking like little like a uh, putty knife or whatever. And she like scraped got off the, the, sticker, the off. sticker off my back uh, window. And she's like, is that good? I said, yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. The reason I asked High East Side was because. It was me who pissed on your car. <laughs> Fuck you. It was me. <laughs> Did you like kneel down to do it or what? Yeah. <laughs> That's why he got on the window. He just stood there and it just hit the window and then just dripped all the way down. <laughs> we had a call similar to that. Um, and this was actually right when I, this is still like a rookie story. Um, I was still in my first year of, of police work and I had been on my own for maybe maybe a month and again up on the east side um we get a call of a loud party um on one of the streets next to the university that's up there that's in uh in the city and so me and my beat partner we go beat bopping up there um and i didn't really do too much time on the east side prior to that with my rotations on fto and everything but we go up there so not really familiar with the area turn down the street and it's House to house. It's a small street. Um, On one side of the street, you have cars parked on the street. And there's only space for another car to drive through. So it's like a one-way street. Super small, but it's all lined with houses. And on the north end, on the northeast end of the street is a big apartment complex. And that's where a lot of the college kids are staying. So they're the ones that have this party. And apparently it's a big thing. They do it like every year, a couple times a year. They have these huge parties. 
Um, but there's hundreds of people there in the apartment complex, out on the street. So just house to house, kids all over the place, right? College kids everywhere, beer bottles, beer cans, everything's littering the street, literally just like a scene out of a movie. And so, of course, I'm the front car and my, my uh, B partner at the time is behind me. We both turn in and just stop. There's nowhere to go because there's so many kids in the street. Everyone starts yelling. We start getting beer bottles and beer cans thrown at us. So we throw it in reverse. We go back up the main street and we, uh, we park a few, a few houses down. And luckily nobody comes chasing after us. So we just kind of sit there and we, we call almost a 1033. So 1033 in, in police work is... Um, it's a 10 code for a police officer needs help. So that's pretty much like immediate help. Get yeah. Your, so get every, quick. yeah. So everyone on the radio that hears pretty much drops what they're doing, unless they're doing some other kind of life, life threatening work. And everyone goes to where this is going. Lights and sirens. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole world is flying to you. So we, we get out on the radio and we let everybody know, Hey, there's a huge party. Um, you know, hundreds of kids in the street, you know, we just got assaulted with bottles and, and beer cans and everything like that. And we're, we're posted up a block away. And so we get the cavalry to show up. We've got probably, probably a dozen, maybe a dozen and a half officers with us. So on graveyards, pretty much like pretty much everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so it was back in the day when we actually had staffing. Oh, so maybe. So we, yeah. So we actually had a, a, a good amount on that night. Uh, because I, I remember because as we started later on, once we started to get into it, other officers were clearing their calls and asking if we needed more help. And there was, yeah. So it was back when we had actually had adequate staffing to do police work. Um, anyway, so of course, being the, the new guy, um, I figure that once the sergeant and the lieutenant show up, they'd kind of take over and nope, they, they immediately walk up to me and they want to know what my plan is. And being the brand new guy, I have no plan other than. I want to go play, um, which isn't the best idea since we're outnumbered, you know, a couple hundred, couple hundred drunk kids. So we end up coming up with this plan that we're going to approach from one side of the street and kind of push everyone out, see if we can get everyone to disperse and, and clear the area. Um, so we pop back around the corner. We've got a couple cars with us um, with the red and blue lights going, a bunch of officers out in front. And as soon as they see the red and blue lights and they see all the all the officers that we're coming with, Probably 80% of them take off. There's sure. only, there's only maybe two or three dozen that stick around. Most, a lot of them run into their apartments. Like the drunkest dumbasses stick yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the kids run away. A, a, a bunch of them go running into the apartments, which I'm assuming they probably live there, but there's only a few dozen in the street still kind of harassing us. We're getting bottles and stuff thrown at us. Um, so we end up, we end up throwing down with, with a, a few of these guys. I think we ended up arresting six or seven of them. Um, but the one, the one detail that stands out to me is as we're, as we're moving down the street and people are leaving, everyone's kind of running away and we're dealing with the, um, the little drunk bastards that stick around. One guy comes running out of the apartment and he's in just boxers and he's got a saxophone and he has a, one of the big, um, what are they? The tall boys, like the big beer cans. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's looking at us and he cracks it open and the sergeant yells at him and says, Hey, like, don't drink that. And so the dude staring us dead in the face, probably 20 yards away from us, 
pours the entire tall boy into the saxophone and then proceeds to drink the whole thing from the saxophone and then starts playing the saxophone after. And so, of course, a couple of the, the officers from my class, we go chasing after this dude. So he goes running. He throws the saxophone. We chase this dude. He throws the saxophone? Yeah, he throws the saxophone. Damn. Not at us, but he no, just but like, he throws yeah, it. He throws it. I, I, I'm assuming those are expensive. Yeah, they're expensive, he, bro. He throws the saxophone, takes off running. We end up tackling the dude and getting him into handcuffs, and we arrest him for like disorderly and, and public intox and stuff like that and um so we're kind of there for a little bit we don't really get any but any contact with anybody right because nobody's coming out to, to talk to us so we end up calling it good and we turn around to leave and as we're leaving all the other residents that actually have houses they're actually like normal people with families and stuff that live on the street they all come out there with these push brooms and they all start like cleaning up the glass and everything and i'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm mad, right? Because this wasn't their problem. This wasn't their mess to clean up. But yeah. they all came out almost like clockwork. And so we start talking to some of them. Hey, you know, do you have any broken property or anything that, you know, you want to report that, you know, we can give you case numbers for, for insurance purposes. And all these families, I guess, have lived on this street for decades. Yeah. And this has just been an ongoing thing. And they've gotten so used to it yeah. that once the party breaks it's like up, clockwork. it's it's like a neighborhood block party at that point. They all come out, they're all, you know, push broom and, and cleaning everything up and they're all just kind of hanging out. And it was, it was like the weirdest thing, but it was like so frustrating for me that these people were out here cleaning up these irresponsible little hooligans, hooligans. Mess so. they'd made. It's funny. The dude freaking had a saxophone and he like he like shotgun the beer from the saxophone. <laughs> das boot. Yeah. Well, he, he comes running out and he like looks at us and then just pops it open. And then as soon as the sergeant yelled at him, he just gets this cheeky grin, pours it, and then just downs it from the saxophone. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's, that's like an ultimate F you, Yeah, bro. It, well, exactly. And I was he get like, a shotgun oh, from the beer. <laughs> what a dick. That's funny, though. <laughs> was he any good playing the sax? I honestly don't recall. I was think like I. Bill Clinton, Clinton, Bill Clinton Jr.? Bill, Cl Bill Clinton played the saxophone. You didn't know that? Yeah, I mean, bro. I know people played with his saxophone, but I, oh I didn't know yeah. that he, he played, played the saxophone. He loved, Bill Clinton loved weed, saxophone, and women. And McDonald's. And cigars. Is he a McDonald's guy? Oh, yeah. They're, back in the day, like, he was, he would go to McDonald's. The Secret Service would have to, like, go on. He, he wanted McDonald's. <laughs> That's so weird. But you got to think, he's a, he's a redneck from Arkansas. That's true. So, I Fair mean, enough. you know, he's loving... Women and, and he's weed. married to Hillary, bro. You can't blame him. And it's like, you know, hang, hang, after that, that meeting, I need a Big Mac. Doesn't have that good. Taste. He's like, I can either, <laughs> I, I can either hang out with Hillary or go get a Big Mac. Go yeah. get a Big Mac. I'll take the Big Mac all day. I'm down with the Big Mac. Remember they, they do the dollar Big Macs? That was dope. I don't remember. Dollar? Big no, Mac? Dollar they do Big like Macs? They, they do like specials where it's like buy a Big Mac, get a Big Mac. Oh, for oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they still do that. On, like if you download the app. Yeah. Yeah. They used to have a Big Mac, and I think it was, they only did it for like a month or something, but you could get, the patties were bigger, so you had like. Like the real Big Mac? Yeah. <laughs> they had like big patties, and they put the extra sauce and stuff on it. Dude, it was, uh, it was gangster. Back in, back in high school, you know, hungry little kid in high school, I wanted to eat all that food, and they do, they do uh, cheeseburger Tuesdays. You get a cheeseburger for like 30 cents. We're at? Big Mac at uh, McDonald's. Oh, Mickey D's. Yeah, Mickey D's. You could do a cheeseburger for thirty cents. So I'd order, I'd order, you know, fifteen cheeseburgers. But the thing we'd do is like, 
15 cheeseburgers, please? And can I get Big Mac sauce on them? Yeah. So it was just like freaking a Big Mac. Build your own. Yeah, basically build your own Big Mac. Game in the system. Instead of having like a cheeseburger, you put like four of them together and have a, a Big Mac. Three of them together and have a Big Mac. So, and, and, you know, in essence, you'd end up with like four or five Big Macs. And in high school, I could put those down like nobody's problem. So I remember doing that. Hell yeah. Those good times. <laughs> it's like the McBitchin. That's true. There are some places you can order a McBitchin and they know what you're talking about. <laughs> Did not we order some of those or try to when we were down at your place that one time? We went to McDonald's like middle of the night. We're like, can we get a McBitchin? They're like, we're only serving breakfast. <laughs> For whatever. Then just put a sausage in it. <laughs> the one that kind of stands out is kind of the, when you're like fits, when you're newer, you kind of make some stupid mistakes because you're just pretty gung ho to get in there. Plus right. you don't have experience to rely on. You don't have experience to rely on. And all you know is like, Hey, a crime's being committed. These people are partying. People are complaining about the partying. We need to fix this situation. And so it was um, at a pretty well-known apartment complex that had uh, multiple levels. You know, like the first floor, you could walk up steps, go to second row of apartments, third row. And so we get there. It's on the second level. And, of course, as you're walking up, you can hear uh, the party going on. And it's all obviously underage kids, you know someone's parents were out of town and so you probably have 30 or 40 kids in this one little two bedroom, one bathroom, you know, 800 square foot apartment. And so they're packed in there. And of course, as soon as you knock the thing that underage, you can tell it's, if it's underage drinking, you can tell because everyone shuts up and you can hear, shh, it's the cops. It's the cops. And they try to act like they think that if we, if they're just quiet, it's like, well, Obviously, they're not home. Obviously, there's something. There isn't. Nothing's going on here. Aberration. Yeah. So one of the newer officers I was with, um, pretty fit guy, he had just was only thinking, like, we got to shut this down. So he's like, I got it. And then he runs down the stairs, goes down to the first floor, gets on the railing of the, you know, the first floor was almost ground level, but they still had like a little, or the apartment was like ground level they still had like a balcony railing stands on it and climbs up to the balcony on the second floor opens his opens the screen door and just walks in but opens, you guys didn't know he was doing this at the time right he just said i got it and then he and he vanishes and he vanishes and we kind of see him like like what is he doing like is he trying to just get a better vantage point or something and then before you know it, the door opens and he just pops in and is like i got it i'm here he opens the door from the inside. From the inside. He had he had gone through the sliding glass door on the balcony on the second floor. He climbed up, went in, and then went to open the door to let us in. And so there was an officer with us who was experienced and a veteran officer. Veteran officer, and he was like, Oh my God, this is bad. <laughs> um, again, you know, something that you cannot do. It just Go into people's houses and shit. For no reason. For no reason. For a another, freaking loud party. Another violation of the Constitution. And and it's <laughs> the way you have to think about it, it's not that this officer was doing it blatantly. Yeah. It was just he was new and he his just his head is up his ass. His his you know, people are just he's just trying to get the problem solved. And obviously when you're new, doing nothing is not solving the problem. No. Right. You get harped on it in training all the time. Yeah. Do something. You gotta, you gotta do, do something, something, you gotta solve it. So he opens the door on this veteran officer. You, I looked at him because I was like, you, 
I was stunned. You like, knew. You're like, ah, I, don't I don't think know. we can do that. That's I don't think okay, we can do that. bro. And so this veteran officer takes charge. He's like, okay. He goes in and he's like, hey, all you guys are drinking. You got to shut this down. I'm going to have to call parents. I'm going to have to give you citations. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have, you know, he's trying to lay down the law, trying to make it seem like, you know, not that we just messed up, but he's trying to get it taken care of. So he goes in, he's like, hey, okay, I'll tell you what, shut it down. Everyone goes home. We're, get, we're disposing of all the alcohol because you're all underage and we're going we're gonna to teach, you know, this is a learning experience for you youngins. And then afterwards, you know, gets it shut down. We go out there and he kind of gathers, the veteran officer gathers the few of us and he's like, yeah, you can't do that shit, guys. You cannot just go into, and then that's when the officer's like, oh yeah, that's, we can't do that. That's a violation. That's a violation. <laughs> and so... It was, again, you're just, you're trying to solve the problem and you kind of, your, you know, your brain doesn't catch up to your, your anima that you have to try and get this done. Makes me think of a story. Both of you guys' stories made me think of one. So it's, uh, once again, graveyard shift. So late at night, people are partying. It's down on the main drag. So we show up, we get dispatched out there for a loud party. We show up, it's me and my work wife once again. We show up out there and the party is bumping. People are outside screaming, yelling, freaking music's blaring. And uh, people are all in the yard. We roll up. You know, typically you try to park strategically. We parked probably two, three houses away. People are outside though, so they see the cops roll up and park on the side of the road. They're like, oh shit, cops are here, cops are here. So everybody runs inside. So we get out of our cars, walk up. Well, they didn't shut the party down. They just shut the doors. And shut the windows and the music's still blaring you can hear it from freaking like a block away and we're like okay guys knock this crap off pound on the door hey police please open the door talk to us please open the door they won't bang on the door you know for like 10 minutes they will not answer and they are not turning the music down nothing so we uh we continue to knock but we decide all right you guys aren't going to freaking listen to us. You're not going to answer the door. Looks like we're going to hang like a, a citation on you. So we dropped the citation on the doorstep for, for the disur- disturbing the peace, right? Drop that citation on the door, but also to add insult to injury, we've, they've got a couple cars that are parked across the sidewalk. <laughs> so <laughs> the cars are parked across the sidewalk. We're like, you know what? You can't park across the sidewalk. You're blocking the thoroughfare. So we call down a couple hooks. Yes. We call down a couple tow trucks, dude. The tow trucks show up and start hooking these vehicles. They're flatbeds. They hook them up, get them onto the freaking flatbeds, get ready to drive away. And the freaking lady owns the house. She's probably like late 40s, maybe early 50s. Comes around outside. What are you doing? You're taking my, you can't take my cars. And we're like, actually, you were blocking a thoroughfare. We can take your cars. Also, here's your citation and had her freaking citation and hooked both of her cars. So I was like, well, that's what you get, lady. Don't answer your, because honestly, if she answers the door and is like, hey, what, you know, officers, what do you need? Like, you guys got this loud party. You need to shut it down. Mm -hmm. You shut the party down. We're going to go away. But since she, you know, she didn't want to freaking shut the party down, want to play coy, play stupid, you know, like she couldn't hear the police. She decided to ignore us. Like, fine. You can get what you get. And we freaking hung paper on her and took her cars. Sometimes parties don't turn out the way that the person throwing the party had expected. 
Which reminds me of a story. And I swear on everything. If you try to use another movie as your story, I will quit this podcast. So alien life had been discovered. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on a, we're on a salvage ship, right? No. So <clears throat> this uh, kid and three of his buddies, they're of age. They go to visit one of the fine bars in our fair city. And uh, the kid, when I say kid, because I mean, he's like 23, 24. So That's he, a kid. he's young and married, which married plays into the story kid. later on. But he's having a, a guy's night out, right? So he and his three buddies go to the bar and his three buddies are single. And so you know, obviously the single guys are looking to, you know, meet some, meet some ladies and... Mm. Disclaimer, listener. Nothing over. No. Listener, just, I mean, there's, beware. So if you are. Buyer beware on this bu- one. Yeah. yeah. Is so this anyways, like not a PG or PG-13 no. story? It's R. Okay. Maybe NC-17. Maybe triple X. Triple X. So he he's going to the bar with his buddies. And obviously, you know, he's married. And, but his buddies are looking to clown. They want, because they're all, other than the guy that's married, the the main character of my story, his buddies are single and they're looking to meet up with some nice femininas. And so they meet this older gentleman. When I say older, I'm talking late forties, maybe early fifties. And they start, you know, hanging out, having some drinks. And the guy says, Hey, look, I got a hotel room. Um, I know some lady friends. Why don't we go party at my room? I'll call these lady friends over. We'll have a great time. And the older gentleman is very charismatic. And so these young bucks are like, that sounds amazing. We will do that. So they, they're striking out at the club. They're striking out. They're not having a ton of luck. So they're like, okay, let's do that. So they all go over. So now it's five. It's the, the main character, his three buddies, and the older gentleman. They all go to the old, older gentleman's hotel room. And they start drinking and, you know, hanging out. And the older gentleman starts making some phone calls. And he says, ah, I call the a couple ladies and you know, no one's really picking up. No one's really answering. And so they kind of start hanging out some more, start drinking some more. So finally he says, you know what, you know what guys, you know what bros, um, ladies aren't coming. Let's just jerk each other off. And they're like, okay, no problem. Let's do that. So they start doing that. Wait, what? (laughs) Like I, like I said before, sometimes parties don't turn out. As you had planned. So there's more to the story. If you want me to finish, I'll finish. And then I will take questions. <laughs> take questions let's, in the middle let's of it, bro. Do, no, hold on. Yeah. Okay. So adult men, adult, all, consenting all, consen- adult all consenting adult Some alcohol on board. Some alcohol on board. They agreed with a complete elderly stranger. Stra- sorry, not elderly, but older stranger. Stranger. Life crisis to not, stranger. To not jack themselves off. Nope. They are going to jack each other off. Yep. You know, to throw out a few Dutch rudders, as it were. And for you, those who don't know, urban, <laughs> don't you better go watch urban, Zach and urban, urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. Zach and Miri, that shit. So they all agree. They're like, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go. <laughs> so they start going to town. What? Well, you know, 
I don't know. One thing no, makes you two don't know at all. And keep in mind, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps Infantry. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. As as, as hey, we're cops, not firemen. As okay. as hilarious and as as all the gay jokes that go around floating around the Marine Corps, we're actually not that gay. So first, this is well, like hold on, let me say, well above my head. Let me say, if you're gay, be gay. That's awesome. Mean, be gay. No one here is. No gay. one gives a shit. Just be gay. Be who you are. And in this moment, these guys were the type of guys who wanted to jerk each other off. That's who they wanted to be, which is fine. Go do it. So they start going to town, and um, the older gentleman again suggests, like, you know what, guys, this is kind of cool, but you know what would be better? Oh my! Is if like let's just suck each other off, and these guys are like. Okay. So, that's next step, right? That's next step. Next step. So they start getting into that. Well, the main character, the young guy who was married, gets the bright idea to call up his wife and ask her if she has some lady friends and maybe maybe she wants to come and bring some lady friends to, you know, this bro fest. <laughs> this um, sausage party. If she wants, and she's like, what is going, no, like, I don't know what you're talking about or what you're doing, but no, I don't know anyone. And this, she, she's kind of taken aback. Like, no, that's, I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know if this is a joke, but I don't know anyone who wants to go hang out. Like, and so the conversation ends and he, Did he tell, tell her what she, what, you know, what he was doing. He was vaguely specific. Vaguely specific. And so he wasn't. He told her that dudes were sucking each other off, but he was not participating. No, he kind of skipped that detail, kind of <laughs> glossed over, but kind of was like, hey, we're, we're hanging out. We've got some guys here, and if you could come over and bring some friends, you know, maybe we can have a good time and let the chips fall where they may. So he, he glossed over a few details, skipped some chapters. <laughs> so, and so he strikes out with his wife. Uh, she's not coming up. She's not bringing any ladies up. So then the older gentleman suggests to the young married guy, he's like, how about we do some anal? You'll okay. be, you'll be this, pitching. This I'll be catching. This is not from a normal movie. You had to have gotten this off. Of this porn is hub. real, bro. No, this, this is, is a real. porn hub movie. This is real. No, it's not. Dude. No. Hey, stop it. Fact is stranger than fiction, bro. This is real. So he, the, the older gentleman tells the young guy, he's like, Hey, let's to start out. You're pitching and I'm catching. And he's like, okay. So, and his buddies, in the meanwhile, since the two of them are engaged in these activities, his buddy's like, we'll just stand around and watch and enjoy. So the activity starts. And <laughs> you're being so careful with this. It's funny. Well, like I said, I'm trying to keep this relatively, relatively. Vaguely specific. Vaguely specific. So the young gentleman's pitching, the older gentleman's catching, and it's just, you know, it's trucking along. And so after a while, the older gentleman says, hey, that was fun. Thank you. Now let's switch, and I will pitch, and you will catch. And the young, the young married gentleman kind of thinks about it, and he says, mm, Okay. The activity starts, and then very quickly he decides, like, I don't like this. This does not go well. And he, like, starts fighting the older guy. <laughs> and then it's like a fight in this hotel room, and his three buddies, you know, are 
shocked by the strange turn of events. So they have to stop what they're doing. And like, wait, are they still messing around with each other? Yes. So these three friends are okay. Yeah. It's like a triangle. I'm so confused. So then they're like, Hey, we were loving. Now we're fighting. And so the, the transition is not an easy one. I don't know. I, you know, I think back to my days in Vietnam when I was in Nam. It going from loving to fighting is very, it's a very hard transition. <laughs> hard to fight with an erection. <laughs> when you're torqued up, it's not easy. So, anyways, so they have to start like corralling their friend because he's, he's really fighting this guy. And so, obviously, other, other people in the hotel, these neighbors here, and they call him this disturbance. So that's when the police get involved. Police show up, patrol shows up, and the young gentleman who was married says, hey, I was raped. And so it's like the suspect, so to speak, is on scene with the victim and the buddies are there. So then they all get transported to the police station. Detectives are going to come in and start talking figure out what's going on. And so that's when, that's kind of when I come in. And so I'm going to talk to all the people involved. And I first go- Were you in sex crimes at the time? For, yeah, it was, it was during the summertime. Yeah. And so it comes to my, you know, this lovely case lands in my lap. And so I'm like, okay, well, I go talk to the older gentleman first because I want to see what his side of the story is. And he is flat out. He says, hey, look, I'm bisexual. I like men. I like women. I rented a hotel room I, because I was going out to the clubs and I was going to meet somebody. Doesn't matter. I'm meeting somebody. Yeah. I'm having a time tonight. Doesn't limit limit his opportunities. No. And he says so. In preparing for whatever may come, I get an enema and I take care of myself. Good for him. Proper preparation. He's being he's being a considerate yeah. partner. Good Absolutely. for him. Good for him. And he says he and he lays out the story. I met these young guys. Told them you know maybe we can get some ladies. Let's go back to my hotel. You know, I suggest we do this. They all agree. We start doing this. We start, and he just is laying out point by point, boom, 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 boom. And then he says, so then when it came my turn to pitch and this other guy was catching, we start getting into it. And all of a sudden he gets freaked out, starts turning around, hating me, fighting me. And it's a fight. And again, the transition from loving to fighting is a difficult one to make. Yeah, difficult. And so he's like, I don't know what happened, but everything was consensual. Nobody said no. I am... I am kind of stupefied at what has happened. And so I'm like, okay, that seems to jibe and, you know, it seems to track. So then I go talk and, and mind you, they're in interview rooms separately. So I go to the one interview with the older gentleman, talk to him. And then I go to the other interview room where the young married guy is. And the first I walk in and the first thing he says is, I've got fecal matter in my hands. Don't touch my hands. And I look at him and I wasn't gonna, thanks for the info, but you know, our secret handshake, I don't, we don't have one. I'm not going to make it with you. Like, and I'm like, okay, so what happened? Tell me what's going on. And reluctantly he starts kind of telling me the story. He's like, well, we met this guy and he seemed really cool. And he said, he has some ladies we can get, you know, maybe we can have a good time. So we all go to the hotel room. And so the stories are starting to kind of like line up and everything's like, okay, and he's like, well, no, you know, then he kind of suggested we do this and it seemed kind of weird, but you know, we'd been drinking and we're still thinking about maybe the ladies coming over. And so we started doing these things. And then he mentions to me, this is how I understand, this is how I knew that he called his wife. He mentioned like, well, I called my wife cause maybe I thought she could get some friends over and maybe we could make it like a, you know, a group on, maybe we could all have some fun. 
Um, but Groupon didn't have tickets to this show. <laughs> you know, no matter where you look, they don't got tickets. And so he's, he's telling me these things and he's like, so then I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden he, you know, he started raping me <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, so you, you called your wife and you know, you talked to her and this is kind of when I started to like realize, like, I was like, well, did, did she know what was going on? And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't. I, you know, I can't really remember what we talked about. You know, I've been drinking, so I can't really remember what we talked about. But I just know that that guy, ugh, he he raped me. I was like, okay, well, you know, as and as police officers, our job is to find out the truth as much as we can. Because when you get into a situation, there's always, you know, his side, her side, then the truth, or his side, his side, then the truth, or whatever it is. There's always, you know, they have their story. This other person has their story, and we're supposed to differentiate between the two and find the truth. So then I'm like, okay, um, well, you know, that's what you're claiming. And, you know, that's what I'm investigating. But to kind of understand and and to kind of make sure that everything's tracking, I'm going to have to call your wife and kind of make sure that, you know, you told me you talked to her and maybe she overheard something that could be of use in this investigation. And then he just goes white as a ghost. And he goes, never mind. I wasn't raped. I want to go home. (laughs) So now I don't have anything because... Consensual. It's it's withdrawn, you know, withdrawn. And so I'm like, okay. So obviously I still write it up and, you know, we still, uh, and then it went nowhere because he didn't want to participate. But again, he didn't want to participate at that point. At that Everything point, before that, when, one, it, okay. when it was hours late, bro. When, when he realized I was going to call his wife and I, I'm not going to be shy about the details because exactly. I'm, I'm trying to find the truth. And, she probably couldn't handle the truth. No, she couldn't handle it. And so he's like, no, I, I wasn't raped. I just want to go home now. So again, parties never, you know, sometimes they don't turn out the way you expect them to turn out. Sometimes you go looking for a good time and you end up jerking your buddy off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever worked with this guy, Fitz. Jeremy, I know you did. So back in the day, we had a sergeant on the police department. Hold on. Old, Old crusty guy. Good dude. He knew laws regarding like the most parties. Ob- and the most obscure laws. He would he would recite the to law that was enacted laws. like in nineteen oh one that somehow never was got redacted. Redacted and then reenacted and no one knew about it except this guy. This guy he knew, knew it. everything. He knew it as good as anybody. He's like the ones that knows the laws that you can't mow your lawn without a you know, not Wearing a t-shirt Not on at, Tuesdays yeah, it after It has to be at noon PM. on a Sunday yeah. in a tank top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a blue, a blue sandal. So this guy knew all those obscure, obscure laws. So thing about it is, though, you work in patrol, what you're trying to do, like you go on these party calls, like I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, like you go on these calls, you just want these people to shut the, shut the show down. You don't, you're not looking to like arrest everybody. You just want to get the show shut down so they'll leave, take care of the problem quickly. So you can go on to the next like legit call, right? You know, you got shots fired calls or robberies in progress, stabbings, stabbings, stuff like that going on. And that's why generally as police, we are the party poopers. Yeah. It's not that we want to preclude people from having a good time, but do so responsibly. If you're having such a good time that your neighbors are hearing it as well and they don't want to hear it, then that's when we get called. So this, uh, back in the day, what, so this Sergeant loved to show up to calls and when he'd show up to calls, he didn't care 
his intent was not to get the party shut down, to get taken care of to quickly and go on to the next. What he wanted to do is be like, I'm going to prove a point on this one. I'm going to show up on the call and anything and everything that's a violation, I'm going to violate. I'm going to sign up for that violation. So we would show up on these calls. And if the sergeant was working, you would show up on the call as quickly as you could and go to the door, knock on the door. People might answer whatever. If they would answer, you'd say, listen, shut this party down. You got to get it shut down within the next five minutes. Because if you don't, the sergeant's going to show up and everybody is going to go to jail. And I remember we knew what was coming. And so we were trying to help the public understand like, yeah, kind of like, Hey, you know, he's coming and hell's coming with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'd show up and be like, good, you need to shut this party down right now or else, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. And you know, sometimes the people be like, Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah. We'll shut it down. And they'd shut it down. And a lot of times you get the people be like, wow, whatever. We'll keep party if we want to. We're, you know, we, we can party if we want. And as soon as they'd say that, you'd be like, all right, bro. All right. You're lost. You're freaking lost, man. I tried to warn you. And the next thing you hear on the call, you're on the radio. Like, Charlie 250, I'm en route to the party up there in the high east side or whatever the case was, you know, wherever it was. You're like, hey, man, well, he's en route. But what he would do is you would talk to him, hey, they're not going to shut it down. And then he would be like, I want everyone to, uh, every officer on the scene to turn their radios up. And so you have your radio turned up and that's when he'd be like, I'm en route to that loud party. And he would say the address. So people, you know, he wanted people to know, Hey, he's mm, going. Yes. So then he'd show up on scene and this guy, he was like a caricature. He'd show up on scene. He'd step out of his car. When he'd step out of his car, he'd like pull right in front of the house, step out of his car, pull out a cigar and he'd light a cigar. Yes. Take a couple puffs from a cigar. Look at everybody. Like, Everybody's going to jail. And <laughs> do this freaking like indication of the cigar, like pointing it all around the freaking yard. Everybody's going to jail. And then he just start handing out assignments like, Officer, you, this person's going to jail for this. Officer, you, this person's going to jail for this. Officer, you, this person right here, going to jail for this. Shut this thing down. And you would literally have, you'd be like calling for more officers. Next thing you know, you'd have like 10, 15 cops there. And he would be like literally 10 or 15 people would be going to jail for this freaking call. Or he'd call down to the paddy wagon back in the day when we used to have the 916 yeah. van. You guys would show up. Paddy wagon? Yeah, we had, had the, the 916, 916 van, van. And he'd freaking call for the 916 van. He'd show up and he'd like throw as many people as he possibly could in that van and it would just drive him to jail. It dude. only sat four or six. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty pathetic. So it was nice because, you know, during the summer, a couple guys would get tasked with, you're, okay, you're driving. And so all you do is you did like, they did they get him out of patrol or was it like an OT? Spot? No, it was no, it was, was like out of patrol. patrol. And so two guys would sign up, but we had enough people to staff it. Bro. Yeah, oh. and so all you would do is you'd be like, "Okay, I need the nine sixteen van," and you'd just wait. They'd come pick your your AP up, your arrested person. Hey, here's the charges. Here's the PC, and then they would go to the next call. The somebody called. Hey, I need a nine six, and then once they had a full van. Head on down to jail, book them, come back and start all over. So you didn't have to waste your time like driving to jail and booking people. Hmm. They just booked all, nice. all these people at once. Sounds nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But he was he was very much a caricature and he loved like you know, he was a vice sergeant for I think he was born a vice sergeant. I think he <laughs> dropped out the womb and started busting back prostitutes or something. I think he's still trying to run that vice game, bro. I saw him not too long ago. He's got this ponytail down to like his ass. He, look, he looks homeless. 
He's got this beard yeah. and this ponytail. You like, could not tell he was ever a cop. No. You could not tell. He looks like a Vietnam vet. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. He, but he, he loved breaking down parties. He loved. That was his jam. That was like and, his thing. He loved it, it. And the parties where people were parked illegally, not only was everyone going to jail, this car's getting towed, that car's getting towed. So you would have, you know, tow, we, need, we need eight city hooks. Back when we had, you know, city tow trucks. Mm-hmm. We need eight city hooks. And. He he did not mess around. The with tow that. companies loved him though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they made money. hand over fist on that one. I have a couple. I have another story, but I mean, it, it's kind of involved again. Buyer beware. I have a story, and like I said previously, sometimes the parties that you want to go to or are planning on attending do not turn out the way you want them to. Sometimes you go on thinking we're having Cheetos and Parcheesi, yes, and you end up. In a circle jerk with your buddy. I've never played Parcheesi. It's a game of skill as well as chance. You never know. I just, I don't even know what the it's hell fun. it is. It's I feel fun. like you Is it like checkers? No. Parcheesi is a real game. Is it checkers? No, like, what's it like? This is not the like game. This is not the game night podcast. This is the domesticated It's savages. just a question. What is Parcheesi? Two out of three of us don't know what that is and are questioning your. Integrity. And that's my problem, how? Because you said because you are uncultured, fine. You said Parcheesi. We don't know what it is. We're trying to figure. See, now you've got to pull out your phone and look it up because you don't even know what it is either. <laughs> you could have just said like backgammon or chess. I don't know. If I said it was is. the game of skill as well as chance. Yes, yeah, so is Parcheesi is a brand name American adaptation of the Indian cross and circle board game Parcheesi. Okay. That. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> a, player, a player rolls the dice and must use the top die pip value shown to move their pieces. Never mind. I don't want to fucking know anymore. I'm done. I'm so fucking done with this shit. Holy crap, dude. What the hell, man? Just go back to your story. Fuck, I don't care. Parcheesi, back in, whatever it may be. Go. Checkers. Checkers. Cheese and checkers. Go fish. Cheese and checkers. I like that. So Do cheese and checkers. No. Yes. I will not be silenced. <laughs> you right. silenced yourself. So, again, buyer beware, but I had to go interview a young man who came into the police station. When I say young man, I'm talking mid-20s again. Um, he was with his estranged wife, which means that they were kind of separated, not fully divorced, but... And he wanted to report that he had been sexually assaulted. Hold on. You can define what estranged means, but you can't define what fucking Parcheesi is. (laughs) (laughs) You had to go to Google for Parcheesi. I told you what it was. What did I say? The internet said what it was. It's a game of skill as well as chance. That describes 95% of every game that's ever been created. Really? checkers that's not a game of chance yes how is it not you're hoping that somebody makes a dumb move and you can capitalize that you skillfully place your pieces so keep with your story just because the tugboats didn't serve your island and give you guys parcheesi does not mean it's my fault holy shit what does that have to do with jake didn't know what parcheesi was either he's not from an island just because the fucking 18-wheeler didn't deliver up to the farm, hee-haw. Wow. 
I'll take it. You weren't raised on a farm. His, I his, wish I was. His father was. Okay, he comes from farm stock. <laughs> That's true. So I have to interview this young buck. Uh, and he's with his wife, and she's in there too. Estranged wife. Estranged wife about how he was sexually assaulted. And so he starts to relay this tale about how he used to be a almost like an assistant manager at Costco, doing okay. So he constantly sees this older gentleman who, when I, again, older you know, late fifties, early sixties, who's very well off. Older than him. Older than him. But he, the, the gentleman ends up, ends up being in the late fifties, early sixties, who's very well dressed, well spoken, always going into, again, one of our sponsors, Costco and buying. Holy shit. Again, disclaimer, Costco is not a sponsor yet. (laughs) Yet. Probably Probably never will be. Probably never. I'm pretty sure I look to my right and I see Kirkland. Stop. Oh, hold on. Anyway, anyways. So. He starts to relay how this gentleman would always come in, and he's always buying a multitude of whatever Costco sells, snacks, chips, everything, and spends a fair amount of money. And so as an assistant manager, he kind of strikes up a little conversation. Hey, you know what's going on? And the guy relays, well, I I have a lot of parties uh, for my clients, and you know it's just easier to come to Costco. And so over a several-month period, he kind of strikes up a friendship with this guy. And the guy starts to tell him, hey, well, I'm a therapist and I help people through trauma and I'm very good at my job, but I, I come in here to buy a lot of party favors, snacks and chips and drinks because I throw parties for my clients. And the young buck How do you throw parties for your clients when you're a therapist? What do you mean? You get like all your, your clients together that yeah. are seeking therapy and- yeah. That was weird. Well, again, when the story is, when the tale is told, you'll understand. I hope not. You will. <laughs> so. Beginning to not like your stories. <laughs> I didn't say you had to like him. <laughs> you just have to fucking listen to him. I, this is terrible. <laughs> I love it. So he strikes up a friendship. And so then as the friendship develops, and this is, again, over a couple months, the older gentleman starts to say, hey, you know, I think you probably have some trauma in your life and I could help you with that because we're friends. And he's like, you know, I think, I think I'm doing okay, but that's, thank you. And the elderly gentleman's kind of persistent. No, I really probably can help you. And so finally the young man says, maybe you can, maybe you can. Maybe there is something that I'm not seeing or thinking about that I need help with. So he said, the older gentleman tells him, okay, what you need to do is first you need to come live with me and leave your wife. That is your first piece of therapeutic advice. But he's like already estranged from his wife, right? No. Oh, at the time that he's meeting this yeah, guy, he's at the not time, estranged Yeah, yet. so when, when they came in to report the crime. They were estranged. They were estranged. At the time, at the, the, the time, no, stories married. occurring? Yeah. They're married. Happily married. Okay. And so he says, the first thing I need you to do um, for your therapeutic advances is you need to leave your wife and come live with me. And he says, you know what? Okay. He that makes sense. Wholesale. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He says, okay, yep. I will well, do he it. does work at Costco, so they deal with hey, wholesale. Management at Costco, from what I hear, has its perks. And again, nice. they're, so don't bite the hen that feeds you, Fitz. Uh, what? So he says, yep, I'll do it. That sounds like a very sound, that sounds like sound yeah. advice. I will do it. 
So he does. He leaves his wife. I'm going to live with him. He's going to help me with therapy. And this is, this is my new course right now. And he says, oh, this is what it is. And she says, uh, what? And he's gone. So then he starts living with this guy at his house. And then the, old, the therapist tells him, well, you need to quit your job and we need to focus on this therapy full time. And he says, you know what? You are correct. We do need to focus on this full time. So then the therapist says, we're going to start doing some regression therapy. And that means we're both going to get naked and we're going to cuddle. I'm going to regress you back to a time to begin Stop. your therapy. Stop. What? This can't be real. Like, are people really this? How long have you been a police officer? Yeah. Answer, I, answer I your own question. Not, answer your own that, question, dude. Seriously, think about it for half a damn second and think to yourself, is this possible? And they say, yeah, it's way possible. Gosh, I freaking this hate. This is 100% real. <sighs> I hate people. Well, job security. I mean, I guess. Right? So, back to the regression therapy. Cuddling naked with Cuddling a naked. weird guy. And so, he says, this is what I would like to do. And the young buck says, yeah, I think that's going to help me. So, they start doing some of that, some regression therapy. And then the therapist says, well, part of the regression therapy is... I need to stick my penis in your mouth. Penetration therapy. Which involves fellatio. Wouldn't that be ingression therapy? It very well would be. And so reluctantly, <laughs> reluctantly, the young buck says, okay, I'll do it. And then as he's going through these acts... He realizes maybe this isn't sound therapeutic advice. Maybe this Ooh, isn't the best way. Can I see your certificates? <laughs> maybe this isn't the best. So he leaves and and again he so at this point he's probably been living with this therapist for a couple of weeks. And then he This guy's some kind of pissed, but it's not a therapist. Yeah. He goes back to the young buck goes back to his wife and kind of tells her what's been going on. And she's like, we got to report this to the police because this is nuts. So then it comes again to me and I'm thinking like, okay, so when he told you like part of the therapy was to get naked, did he force you? He's like, well, no. I was like, okay, so you did it voluntarily. Yeah. I was like, okay, well. And then again, before that, when he asked you to like leave your job and your wife and come live with him, did he force you? No. So you did it voluntarily. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about when the fellation began? Was that forceful or voluntary? He's like, well, I, I did it because I thought it would help me with therapy, but he didn't force me. And I'm like, okay, well, as of right now, none of that is a crime. I mean, it's not a sex crime. If... I tell you you have to do this and I force you, okay, then, but if you do it willingly. And so then he tells me who this guy is. And the guy has a, a website and he, he claims to be a therapist. I see that website, bro. He claims to be a therapist, but more of a spiritual guide. Oh my gosh. 
He's all about that new room massage. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's more of like, hey, I can help you spiritually through these tough times. And so the only thing that I can cite the therapist for is practicing without a license. <laughs> because he sold it as therapy of mental health. This is part of your mental health treatment. He you know, he like purported himself to be a therapist, which he was not. As a board certified, no. And it turns out this was not the first time he had been cited for. He should have just called himself a life coach. Practicing without a go. license. There life you go. Coach. Life coach and he gets But again, out. it's, you know, the people, he, he thought he was going to get involved with this guy. And this guy's throwing some parties for his clients and it's a great time. And, you know, we all get help and, you know, have these fun parties. And so again, let that be a lesson let to you. Let that be a lesson. When someone says, we're going to have a party, think to yourself, are they asking me to quit my job and leave my spouse and get naked? Because if so, maybe that's not at a party you want to. And if it is a party you want to go to, go. Yeah. But maybe not. I mean, one of those things are okay. Yeah. You're going to a party and they're saying, hey, let's get naked. Like, that might not be that bad of a party. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Depends on the company you keep. Depends on the company you keep. But so, well, I was going to say, also, let that be a lesson. You know, grass isn't always greener, bro. No. Maybe just be happy with what you got. Yeah. Instead of, like, trying to go find some... For me, green I'm, pastures I'm on the side of the Costco unlimited samples during the day. They got they some good shit them. in there. Yeah. You know? I love the Costco samples. Sometimes I go to, just to hang out. I don't have shit to do or to buy, but I like walking around eating shit yeah. and hanging out. That's a good Saturday right there. <laughs> well, that's uh, us wrapping up our episode. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can catch us on domesticatedsavages.com. That's the best place to find us. You can find the podcast on there and find all of our social links. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, Domesticated Savages. Go to the site, domesticatedsavages.com. Find us there. Thanks for tuning in. Always remember, stay savage. Yeah. Nickel titty. Nickel titty. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I quit. This That's is the my- end of our podcast. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>